Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. This morning we're continuing a, a series we started last week called As It Is In Heaven. And it's a series in the lead up to Easter, right? It's coming up soon. And it's about laying the foundations as to why Easter is important. I said last week that we know the what, Christ came and he died on the cross. But we need to know why to understand why it is significant, correct? Yes? And so we're looking at that, why it is important. And last week, we looked at creation, and we're looking at the fall today, next week, redemption, and then the week after that, the future. But last week, we asked the question, why did God create us? Why are we here? Why were we made? And we landed at the place that God made us for His glory. Okay, yeah, let's miss the beast remix there. God made us for His glory. And, you know, sometimes we think God made us to bless us. God made us to, so that we could be here and have an amazing life, that we could experience His blessings. And, yes, those are all available to us. But at the end of it all, God made us for His glory. And the thing is, though, the problem is that something has happened along the way where we're no longer those perfect image bearers. We no longer reflect the glory of God in the full way that we ought to have done. What happened? What occurred? What happened in this world? You look around and you see so much you know, sickness, you see uh, uh, violence, you see greed, you see selfishness, you see all these things and you wonder, how do we go from being uh, creatures created for God's glory to being where we are now? What occurred? Well, today we're going to delve into that and we're going to look at it, what occurred at what was called the fall. If you'd close your eyes this morning, we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you this morning that we've come to encounter you, God. God, we want to hear from your word. We've spent some time worshiping you, Jesus, giving you the glory you deserve, God. I pray right now you speak to us, God. Speak to us through your scriptures in Jesus' mighty name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. In my 20s, which was, you know, very, very, uh, not very long ago, right? In my 20s, uh, I worked at a tech startup company here in Melbourne, in Albert Park. Uh, it was in the uh, late 1990s, early 2000s, when uh, the tech companies were all the big rage. And um, I remember it was an exciting time in my career. I was just, you know, out of uni a few years earlier. And so it was an exciting time in my career. And uh, I can remember doing some, just some, some great things. I remember having overseas trips uh, to work on different projects, to be involved with different teams. I can remember uh, working really, really long hours in the office. This is long before work from home. Anyone know what I'm talking? Anyone from before work from home, right? And we did some crazy shifts. I was in a coding development team there, and I can remember distinctly multiple occasions doing 24-hour stints in the office as we tried to get a, uh, uh, the project ready for a release date. And uh, it was exciting. Uh, being a tech company, I, uh, we, I forwent some of my salary and I received stock options in the company. And I don't know if you've ever worked for a startup company, but it's like those stocks, you're believing that one day they're going to be worth more than they were when you got them, right? And so I had big plans. I was like, God, come on, 10 time, 100 time, 1,000 time these stocks, God, because, you know, this is my opportunity to become a tech millionaire, right? Like Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Bronson Blackmore, here he comes while I'm standing here today and 
didn't quite work out how I planned. In fact, uh, those stocks were given to me at like a dollar each. I got cents for them when I ended up selling them uh, in the future. But, you know, it was pretty sad. But when I look back at that time, when I look back at uh, that season in my life, that wasn't the saddest thing for me. The, The saddest thing, actually, as I look back, was that the environment I worked in was a at times, very toxic environment, and I found myself getting involved in that. I found myself getting involved with all the inter-office politics. I found myself getting involved with the bickering between different coding teams, like our coding team's better, no, our team is better, and all these types of games that we played. I, I found myself getting involved with trying to better myself and my career at the uh, exclusion or at the expense of someone else. And I just really found myself getting involved with this, with this thing that was going on. And one of the saddest things for me is that at that time, I'm a, I'm a Christian. At that time, I, I was born a pastor's kid, grew up in a Christian home. At that time, I was a Christian. And the saddest thing for me is that instead of being a light, instead of being a reflector of God's glory in that place, I found myself being influenced so that instead of reflecting God and how good he is, all the worst, all the, all the bad things that were part of me were reflected instead. And I look at my colleagues and I think to myself, wow, if only I had had more strength in that time to be able to reflect God, how might I have been a better influence in that environment to tell them about Jesus? I wonder today if I'm the only person who has a story like that. I wonder if you've ever been in a place or an environment where something's going on and you found yourself maybe caught up in what was happening. Maybe when you were younger, you know, you you got a, a brother or a sister who was the bad one of the family, right? And they influenced you to do things that you knew weren't right. Maybe as you got a bit older, you're in school or uni or you've got friends that you've known a a long time and and they get caught up in what they're doing or there's some things that they might have influenced you to do that were against your values or your beliefs or against what you knew God wanted you to do and you could have even been in a crowd of people that you didn't know you know sometimes people are in crowds they're at you know a sporting event they get carried up and they get caught up in the moment and you got involved with something that you knew you shouldn't have done whatever it was you were influencing something and you took part in it Today's passage of scripture that we're going to look at is something similar to this. It looks a little bit like this, and it's a story of the disastrous effect that one decision made for a person at that time, or people at that time, but also for every person since. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to start at verse 1. If you don't, the words will be on the screen behind me. It says this, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the trees of the garden, but God did say, You you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. The servant said to the woman, you will not die, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desiring for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened 
and they realized that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. In the chapters that precede chapter 3, God says to Adam and Eve, says to the man and the woman, I've given you dominion over everything of the earth, all the animals, all the plants, everything. Be fruitful and multiply. He gives them everything. It's amazing. But there's only one thing that he says, this is what you cannot have. You would think that having everything else, that you wouldn't need to have the tree, right? Like, I don't know about you, but, but you would think that would be what it would be. But they wanted more, and so they disobeyed God and ate of the tree. And this event, this, this thing that happened, this taking of that fruit, is the greatest tragedy that has ever occurred. It's the most disastrous event. It is the saddest moment in all of humanity, this single act of eating the the fruit, at that moment, the fall happens. And if you've been in church circles for any amount of time or, or amongst Christians, you may have heard that phrase, the fall, and maybe you've wondered what it means. What is it? The fall. The fall is the act of disobedience that resulted in the separation of humanity from God and introduced sin and death into the world. And this one event shattered shattered the closeness. It shattered the togetherness between man and God. It broke uh, down and created a state of brokenness and imperfection in the world. And we were no longer the perfect image bearers of Christ. We were no longer the perfect reflectors of God. Instead, now we were in this broken, fallen state. Continues on in Genesis 3 verse 8 says this, Then the man and his wife heard the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. How many parents do we have here this morning? If you're a parent, raise your hand. Some parents here today, have you ever experienced this, that maybe when your kids have done something wrong, that they sort of like go and they sort of hide? Uh, I've got three children, and my, my oldest two, like, you know, they don't care about me anymore. They're, like, they're not scared of dad anymore. <laughs> But Roman, my youngest, he's like, when he does something wrong, he'll like, he'll like try to hide him. He'll try to go off somewhere where he can avoid mum and dad's presence. And maybe today you're here and you, and you don't have children, but I think maybe if you reflect back to your own childhood, you might remember, right, you know, you've done something wrong. You're like, oh, I'm going to hide from mum. I'm going to hide from dad. Does anyone know what I'm talking about this morning? There is something innate in humanity to hide when we know we've done something wrong. And this is what Adam and Eve did. They hid from God. In verse 9 it says this, But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Where are you? You know, this is a rhetorical question. God knows where they are. But he cries out, Where are you? And I love that today God still calls out. He still makes the cry to humanity, Where are you? Even in their fallen state, they're hiding from God. God says, Adam, where are you? And he says to us today, humanity, fallen, where are you? I am seeking you. I desire you. Adam answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, this is God, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. Adam's response is, I was influenced by someone. 
I, I, I was made to do this by someone else. You know, it wasn't my fault. I didn't mean to do this. Eve's response to that very question is, look, I was deceived. I was confused. It's not my fault. It's the serpent. Uh, she says this type of thing. And not much has changed. That startup company that I was at, you know, it's not my fault. There were, were bad people there. They influenced me. Innocent little Christian boy, you know, they, they, they did these things to me. I could blame someone else. And maybe today you've been the same. I only did that because of what someone said. I only did that because I was following the crowd. I only did that. I didn't mean to. I was tricked. You know, they looked for someone else to blame, to pass the buck to. To, 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 to blame someone else, and they're blaming each other, they're blaming the serpent, they're blaming everyone, but the person in the mirror, they're not looking at themselves. In fact, Adam, he actually takes it even further than that. He says to God, he says, the woman, well, first he says the woman, right? He's blaming the woman, but then he says, the woman you put here with me. He says to God, the creator, just pause and think about that. It says to God, the creator, the woman that you put here with me, she influenced me for bad. She, so in other words, what he's saying is that God, it's your fault. I ate this tree because of someone you gave me. She influenced me. It's your fault that I did this. You made me basically do it because you put here with me. The rest of Genesis 3 is the fallout the immediate fallout from what occurred at that moment. God curses the serpent, says that you will be stood on by the descendants of, of, of uh, the woman. And then he says to the woman, you will endure child uh, pain in childbirth uh, when you have children. Then he says to the man, Adam says, you will experience sweat on your brow for the rest of the life, rest of your life as you till the, to the soil, as you make a living. And from the dust you have come to the dust you will return. God says to Adam. They then cast out of the Garden of Eden and they stopped from ever returning to that beautiful place that God had made for us to live in. Have you ever stopped, looked at the world and wondered, how did we get where we are? Have you ever paused to think about yourself and looked at all that is happening, all that goes on in the world around us, all that is wrong, all that is bad and considered why does this happen? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad people, good things happen to them? Why do some people experience heartache in life? Why do some marriages make it, some don't? Why do some people get sick and we pray and they die? Why do some people get sick, we pray and they live? Why do these things happen, God? Why do some people go through these struggles? And we know that there is something wrong. Before we met God, if you could reflect back before you entered into a relationship with Jesus, you knew there is something wrong with the world. There's something wrong with humanity. There is something not right. But we don't understand what it is before we know Christ. But when we do know God, when we've entered into a relationship with God, we realize that there is something wrong. And when we see it, the world through the lens of Scripture. When we see the world through the, through the lens of revelation from the Holy Spirit, we realize why things are wrong and it all makes sense. Mankind, through Adam, sinned against God. Sinned against God and His goodness and His perfection and His love and His glory. And instead of choosing this from God, instead we chose self-autonomy. 
We chose self-interest. We chose self-glory. We chose our own selfishness, self-worship. And the scriptures tell us that what occurred at Genesis 3 didn't just have an effect for Adam and Eve in that moment and at that time. They had an effect that has flowed on for the rest of time, that will flow on for the rest of eternity. They had an effect that was not just for Adam's life, but has had an effect on all and every subsequent life since Adam came to earth. Romans 5.12 says this, Just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death came to all people because all sinned. See, when Adam disobeyed God, sin and death entered in the world. And in that moment he sinned, he signed his own death warrant. And God said, you'll return to the soil that you came from. But he didn't just sign his own death warrant. He signed our death warrant. Romans 5, 9, For just as through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners. The kids could come. Through the disobedience of one man, many were made sinners. See, because of Adam, we're all sinners. And irrespective of whether you've lived a very, very, very sinful life or whether you believe that you've lived a perfect life and have never sinned, which, by the way, if you think you've never sinned, you're sinning right there because you're lying, you're deceiving yourself. But irrespective of your own personal sin, there is a sin nature that we have inherited from Adam. This is why the scriptures say in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, we've all inherited a sin nature that means we are sinners. We've all disobeyed God. That means that we are in sin. That means that we are sinners. And here's the thing. There is a reward for sin. Just like when you go to work, there is a wage that you earn. There is a reward you get for your toil. There is a reward that we receive for our sin. The problem is it's not a reward that we really want. Romans 6.23, it says it's for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And we will experience a physical death. We will experience this physical death. One day we will, this body will die and we'll experience that physical death because of the reward for our inherited sin nature that we have. It's a reward for sin in our lives, the acts of sin, but not just that. Not just a physical death that occur, but also there is a more terrifying death that can occur than the bodily death that we will occur. Isaiah 59.2 But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden His face from you so that He will not hear. See, our sin also separates us from God. Sin in our life separates us from God here, right now. Sin in our lives will separate us from God in eternity after we physically pass from this life into the new life. It says this in 2 Thessalonians 1.8, He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. This is the fall. This is what occurred at this moment. God, Adam's disobedience. Sin and death entered the world. And all humans have inherited this sin nature from God. It doesn't matter how good you are. You have inherited this sin nature from Adam, rather. This sin, it separates us from God. And there is a death that is coming to every single one of us, which is the result of our sin, both physically and spiritually. And this 
is the predicament that we find ourselves in. This is the situation that we find ourselves in, the sin that ensnares our lives, the sin nature that we've inherited from the one man, Adam, will one day mean that when we die, we will eternally be separated from God, His goodness, His love, His glory, His presence. We will go to a place where He is not. Before you think that living a good enough life will be good enough to get you into heaven, before you think that if I... Just give to the church before you think that if I serve and volunteer, before you think if I work for the charity or if I give my clothes or I help the poor or I help the desperate, the needy, and we ought to do all those things. And we believe that with missions and Elevation Church here in our local and international communities, we do those things. But if you think that that will make you right with God, it won't. I'm afraid to say it will not. Romans 3.20, Therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law, Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. See, our attempts at being good actually reveal to us how we're not good. I don't know about you, but the more I try to be good in my own strength, I realize there's so many areas of my life where I'm deficient, where I'm lacking, where I'm struggling, where there is not good in my life. And see, you cannot by your own works do good to get you into heaven. All it does is reveal sin in your lives the more you try to be good the more you realize you're not good and the sin nature the fall of of Adam at that larger level at that greater level that 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 spiritual level is what we all have but what about at a personal level what does the fall mean at a personal level today today I've got a video that I want us to watch it's from our Pastor Marty in our Mandura location all the way and across in Western Australia He's going to talk about that a little bit and then I'll come back. Just watch the screens right now. Hi, my name is Marty and I'm the location pastor at our Mandra location in Western Australia. Today in our series, we're talking about the fall. And I'm not sure what comes to your mind when you think of the fall, but for me, I'm really keenly aware of uh, in my journey with Christ, even right now, the, the many times that I miss the mark with my behaviours, with my thoughts, with my attitudes and with my actions. And so today I, I want to talk about the fall, not the fall of humanity and how bad everything is as we look around, but, but the fall in our own hearts. You know, for me growing up, I, I grew up as a teenager with my mum taking me and my two younger brothers to, to church with her every single week. Uh, I knew about church. I knew that you clapped in the fast songs, that you lifted your hands in the slow songs. Uh, I, I knew how to act around church people. Uh, but for me at that time, I was really challenged with uh, being able to live a life that was, that was different when I was with my friends at school. I just had this intense fear and, and worry of, of what people would think about me. So I would swear like them, I would speak like them, I would have the same, same attitude as them. But then when I went to church, uh, all the externals looked like I had the right stuff going on, but really, inside of my heart, I was fallen. You know, often when we 
hear about this, this fall of mankind, we, we think about all the perceived, you know, big sins. And, you know, in my life at that time, I didn't have an issue with alcohol or substance abuse. I didn't have a, have a checkered past with the law. Um, maybe you do, and that's, and that's your story, and it's amazing how God brings us through things. But what I did have was this fear of people and what they thought of me. What I did have was I had a life that listened more to what everyone else was saying than what God was calling me to. And it's so interesting that even though there's a, such a massive length of time between you know, the Garden of Eden and my 90s childhood, um, it's actually the same issue. What Adam and Eve faced, whether they would trust the word of God or, or, or trust the word of the serpent, was exactly the same thing that I was facing. Would I trust what God said or would I trust what the world says? The catalyst moment that began the, the change in my life was a youth camp when I was 16. There was an invitation there and I just knew God was calling me to, to live a life for Him. And I want to tell you today that same invitation is here. Whatever your story is, wherever you are on your journey, there's an invitation from God to humbly submit our lives, to not trust in what people say about us, not trust in the world, but to place our trust and our hope in Jesus. As we do that, as we lay down our lives, as we humbly submit our trust to Him, He comes in and He fills us with His presence. He gives us purpose. He, he comes and He fills the void on the inside of our lives. And so today, uh, as, as we're talking about this whole topic about the fall, I'd, I'd just love to encourage you. Would you humbly submit your life to Christ, wherever you are on that journey, first time or maybe first time in a long time, or, or, or maybe it's just a renewal of you to say, yes, you know what? I'm gonna follow Christ today. He'll bring His presence and His purpose and His power to your life. You know, it can seem like the fall leaves us in a place of despair. It can seem like the fall leaves us in a place of hopelessness. But as Pastor Marty just shared, today you, you, you might be hearing you're like, wow, this is a depressing message. No, 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 we're, we're gonna lead up to our Easter. There is a, a person who came for us. Pastor Marty just shared there, there's a person named Jesus. And if we would put our trust and our hope in Him, He promises to come into that state where we are and to lift us out of that place and to bring us into an amazing place. See, the fall is the lowest of lows for humanity. But shortly, there would be coming the highest of highs when a man would come for us and come to rescue us and save us. Acts 4.11, for Jesus is the one referred to in the Scriptures where it says, the stone that you build is rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Shortly, I'm going to give an opportunity, if you don't know Jesus today, to invite Him into your life, to leave that fallen state and enter back into that glorious image bearer that we were made to be of God. But there is a man who came, his name is Jesus, and he came at Easter to redeem us, to save us, to set us free, to put us on a new path. And this morning, I'd love for you to stand right now. And we're going to sing a song that gives praise to Jesus, that remembers what He did at Easter. 
And as we do that, if you need prayer this morning, I'd want to encourage you to come up to the front. We'd love to pray for you, but otherwise lean in. So team leads us into worshiping Jesus and to praising Him and to lifting up His name this morning.